the scrum guide for creating some of this problem. And the reason that I do that is because this is what people think the product owner role is. And if you go and you look at the scrum guide and the scrum guide and read it, you know, as it's stated, these are the things that it defines that a scrum that a product owner does. And while they're true, these are the things that they do. Let's go back and think about why they wrote the product, the Scrum Guide, and what they were trying to solve for. Kind of back to someone who said, you know, I'm trying to get them to, to think about the problem and not the solution. Well, the problem that they were trying to solve for is that development staff didn't really have that single voice, that business interaction. Uh, it took a long time to get information back. There was a lot of confusion about what was needed to be done. So they designed the product owner role to actually say, here's a certain person that's going to really interact with the development team and provide us the needs that we need and solve that problem. And that's great. That's fantastic. What the Scrum Guide didn't talk about, um, and probably rightfully so, is what you don't see about the product owner product owner role, and it comes back to that strategic element. So while the product owner is writing those stories, thinking about releases, interacting with the team, here's the other half of stuff that has to happen or has to occur, even for the, the product owner to be able to write stories to begin with. If they don't understand some of these things, because they're all related to one another in developing your product, then writing the stories and so forth is not going to be successful. And this is why you end up with some individuals who are just order takers, because they are kind of supporting the, the Scrum Guide's definition of the role, but not really thinking about the other half and the other side of what, what you need to actually be successful. So I'm going to show you a tool here that will help you kind of understand uh, what product management really is. Because what we're talking about is product management. It's not talking about just technical side. The product owner role is really on that business side and trying to figure out how am I going to actually make my product successful. One of the things I like to tell my product owners right off the bat, when you're a product owner, product manager, it's the closest thing you can get to actually owning a business without owning a business. And that's the way you need to think about it because your product is something that you're trying to actually sell. Uh, it's something that you need people to buy. There are problems in the market that you're solving. So this, this diagram actually comes from pragmatic marketing. Uh, it kind of defines, it's a framework that defines all the elements of product management. Now, you don't have to have everything here and you don't have to do everything here. It's really a kind of an a la carte type of thing. You pick the things that you actually need in your organization but it's a good tool to kind of help explain to the rest of the organization, to leadership, uh, to teams, to product owners, you know, this is, this is what you're doing and what it's based off of. So let's talk about this. Let's see where, where things land and lie and what are the things that you really need. Uh, and this, this, I like this framework because I took this class probably back in 2008. This framework has not changed since then. And you're probably going, oh my gosh, why? <laughs> that doesn't sound very uh, continuous improvement. Well, because it's a foundation, uh, a lot of this doesn't really change in terms of what you need to do. Uh, it changes in how you need to do it. 
and it really depends upon your industry and your organization. Um, they also try to give you a kind of an idea of where some of these things lie. So you have that product strategy piece, you have the product delivery of product tactics piece, you have the product marketing. And the reason that all these areas are so important is because um, they really do interact with one another. So for instance, a lot of what you see is the product owners working in the requirements and use scenarios. That's all they're doing. They're writing user stories and, and scenarios for your teams. Um, you may have some that are actually working in the stakeholder. Um, I've seen product owners or product managers where they, they do this L, or backwards T, if you will, half T, where they do product road mapping, they do innovation, they do requirements and use scenarios and stakeholders. I've seen product managers actually have to do the user, uh, user personas, win-loss, market problems, uh, competitive landscape. I've had other product owners who do this T and they get somewhere in here and they help out with sales and they help out with the launch and they help out with the marketing or the revenue growth. So the key thing here is to really understand what is it that the organization wants from the role. Uh, and, and that's the first thing you need to do as, as, as a coach is to understand, one, who does the product strategy? Um, how do they want to define that role? Who's responsible for product management? Uh, and um, how is user experience? That's another element that kind of gets lost in the phrase is incorporate user experience into the product. So as coaches, you want to understand what the landscape is behind their product um, product development, and that will help you understand how you can coach the product owner. Because every, every organization is going to be different. So uh, that's the key thing though to learn. And what you may find is that some organizations are not really uh, organized to even support product um, management. So this could be an opportunity for you to help them figure out what they really need to do in their organization and, and uh, figure out how they need, they need to actually approach this. So this could be a tool that you use to, to, to start having the conversation is that product management uh, a framework that um, pragmatic, market, pragmatic marketing has put out. And I'll, uh, later on, and I'll, I'll show you where you can go to get that. So you can use that for yourself. And it's really good because they actually define what all the uh, different, uh, let me go back here real quick. They define all the different squares and they actually also define the skills that you need within these different squares as well. So that's kind of another reason why I really like this, this framework. Another thing that product owners struggle with is business value. What is business value? So I'm gonna open up for questions about anything I've talked about so far. And I also wanna hear what, uh, what you guys think business value is and how would you get your product and uh, product owner to understand what business value is so i can i can start it's kalina again uh can you hear me yes yes so uh, I, I, I've had a lot of problems with the business value with the definition of the business value uh, something that worked uh, well for me is basically to, to, to help the product owner to define the business value depending on the context in which uh, he or she uh, is in so uh, 
very often uh, they uh, come up to a conclusion that the business value is composed from like two components uh, the the business component and as well the customer component uh, and very often I'm working with the two pyramids uh, that represent basically the B2B and the B2C um, value. And when I show to product owners those, pyra uh, those pyramids, um, they're really very um, well, very easy to understand. And uh, I, I see that product owners are using them. So uh, this is something that, that is helping me, a very, very powerful tool uh, for me. Nice. I would like to add something as well. Yes. No? Yes, we hear you. Excellent. Um, what is business value? I would say everything that the customer is willing to pay for and values, basically. Okay, that's a good one. Yeah. Anyone else? Hi, this is uh, Jesus again. Uh, I particularly work for the uh, for the public sector, for government. So value is defined as um, basically the, the outcomes that the, the possibilities that we open for the citizens of the province. So just to give you a different perspective from um, uh, private sector, that's how we, the, the problem is always measuring that in particular metrics, but um, that's, that's what it means. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I'll talk about that a little bit too, some of those hard things to measure. Yeah, I think a component of it is not just the desirability, right? Um, what people are willing to pay for, but also the feasibility. Um, can we produce it at the at a price that they are actually willing to pay for it, and we can have it make a return on investment? Yeah, and that's an interesting one too. Return on investment because. Um, there have been cases where return on investment was not the goal. And I'll talk a little bit about that too. So in a nutshell, before I go on, does anyone else want to chime in on business value? I was going to ask a question actually to say as a coach, um, when the product owner is not sure what the business value is, is that where the two Kalina is talking about comes in? Kalina, yes, yes, about a couple of tools. Yes, uh, because uh, we had like a team of uh, let's say seven to nine product owners that were defining business value at the same time, and it was difficult for all of them. And when we defined that, basically, we we told them so think about the business value as composed by let's say two components, the, the one that is important for the business and the one that is important for the customers. So basically the customers are paying us, right? And they, they're, they're paying us to, to, to build a product. But at the same time, there are, there are some business uh, components that should be considered. So basically what we did is that we defined a percentage um, of uh, let's say of the importance of each component and we said let's say the business value is composed by 20 percentage of uh, business 
component and 80% of, uh, of uh, customer component. Based after that, we went into discussions. Uh, what, what does it mean the business? Like what's important for the business? Like cost, cost reduction and uh, return of investment and so on. And what's important for the customers? And to understand the customers, we used other tools, basically like empathy and design thinking to, to go further. Okay. And, and do, 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 does that involve the customer to a great extent? Because obviously you need to involve them. Of course, of course, okay. of course. You involve the, uh, the customer in the customer component, which is like what brings value to the customer directly. The customer okay. should be involved. Yes. Thank you. Welcome. Uh -huh. And we'll go back to Angie. So in a broad sense, um, business value is defined as this. Uh, it includes all forms of value that determine the health and well-being of the company in the long run. And that's really broad and kind of vague. Um, and so it really comes down to how you define the well-being of your company, what direction that you're trying to take it in, uh, where you want to go. Um, and what you're trying to do and what outcomes that you're trying to achieve. One thing that I do try to help bring this home with some of my product owners is to talk a little bit about what types of business value there are. And many of us don't really realize that there are two actual types of business value. There's tangible and intangible business value. Um, does anybody, can anybody give me some examples of tangible and intangible business value? Intangible could be reputation. That's the one, yeah. Tangible could be something like uh, reduce the time a citizen takes to renew a driver license, for example. Yeah. Any other examples? I think it could be impact, impact to like the community and to humans that isn't financial for the company. Yeah, yeah. NPS score uh, can also be one of the tangible value. Yeah, absolutely. All, the all good examples. Right. Wellness might be one intangible. On wellness, yeah, that's another one. Yeah, happiness as well. Happiness, yeah. Employee engagement. Oh yeah, that's a that's a big one. Yeah. So the all great examples. Um, you guys are right on target. Here's some um, here's some examples of some tangible ones: increased revenue, revenue, more innovation, a bigger market share. Um, security, you know, sometimes how this relates to a product is that, you know, in order to get a big client or several big clients, you need to enhance the security you have within your, your product. So you can directly relate that to kind of a return on an, on investment, if you will. Um, usability, you know, if you have, if your product isn't very usable, that means maybe a lot of users aren't using it. So, and especially if you have something where you are, your product is based on the number of users you have, and that's how you charge and how you price your product, um, you want to make that usability so that you can have more users come onto your product and use it. 
So those are some additional examples of having some tangible value and how they can relate to specific numbers, um, such as, you know, an, uh, increased uh, user adoption, uh, increased market share, um, more customers with uh, specific revenue, hitting revenue targets, that sort of thing. Uh, intangible, someone said, you know, brand and reputation, or reputation um, your patents and copyrights, your trademarks, um, goodwill, that sort of thing as well. And here's where I can give you some examples on uh, intangible. So I work for a company where their specific um, uh, goal was to actually increase endorsements that they had. And there was no really specific relationship between endorsements and getting more money or getting more revenue or even getting more users. It was they felt that if they had more people supporting their, their product and talking about it, that would attract more. They didn't know how much more, but they just felt that it would. So we spent a whole quarter just trying to figure out how, what our customers wanted and needed in order for them to be comfortable with giving us endorsements. And so we spent all this time, you know, putting in all these features. And at the end of the day, we probably got of the six people who said, hey, if you put these in, we probably got like two who actually gave us endorsements. Not quite the goal we were looking for, but um, it was something that was easy for your product owner to actually explain to people of how endorsements would help, you know, promote more uh, uh, future um, customers and that sort of thing. So it was easy for them to actually have that conversation with the development team and get them to understand that endorsements can actually bring in revenue. Um, there was another one where NPS scores, I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's net promoter scores, basically how likely is someone to recommend your product. So the goal was to actually get a uh, higher NPS score so that we um, felt that that would actually bring in additional revenue. There were surveys out at the time that talked about how if you had high NPS, companies with high NPS actually had higher revenue streams. So there was no, we had no idea whether that was true or not or how much it would bring in, but that was the particular goal of the, uh, the quarter, that, particular, that quarter. And so we spent a lot of time actually trying to increase our MPS scores and putting in features and things like that that would help promote that. And that was another thing that you can use to help, um, help your team understand this is why we're doing it. Here's the value and the outcomes that we're trying to um, uh, have. And if you can get your product owners to kind of think in the terms of tangible versus intangible, what are the outcomes that you're having, you can have that conversation better with teams and other people to help explain that vision that you're talking about and actually get them to identify what are they really doing. Many times they, they are doing these things and they don't even realize that that's what they're doing or they're doing them, but they don't know how to talk around them. They don't know what kind of conversation to have. And that's where we can coach them and have a message, help them develop a message that they can give to one to other people. So some things that I do here is I go, what's your elevator speech? You're in the elevator, you got two minutes. Convince me that I need to do this project. Convince me that I need to buy your product. Convince me I need to have your service. And you can help walk them through how to actually go through and make that conversation and make that speech so that they can 
motivate and sell this to other people and get them behind what they're what they're trying to do. It's quite often that the teams don't have that vision, don't have that understanding of why and, and what the outcomes are, then they really get lost and aren't able to to get on board with trying to, to help out the product owner. Uh, so this all relates to how you try to get your, your product owner into shifting their mindset so that they can start thinking differently. If they start thinking in terms of tangible, intangible outcomes, they can start thinking a little bit differently in terms of um, how they approach things. So traditionally, product owners would think about this. Projects, you know, how am I gonna get my project done? How am I gonna get it on budget? Um, solutions, I think I heard someone talk about, I have product owners who just focus on their solutions and that's all they focus on. And then how we do it. That's kind of been the mindset that product owners in the past have had. Um, oh gosh. Now, with the new mindset, they really need to think about the business. You know, what does the business need? Um, what is the business looking for? Uh, what, where do I need to take my product? When do I need to sunset my product? Uh, when do I need to start innovating? Uh, when do I need to start thinking about usability? When I need to think about expanding my product into different markets? So they have to think about that and keeping budget for those things versus whether they get a project done or not. So this causes them to think more about long-term and short-term of their product and not just about a project that once it gets done, you really don't know whether you've hit the mark or not. And part of this too is actually getting out and talking to your end users and talking to people in the market and talking to salespeople and even customer uh, support people to understand what are the wants and needs of the end users. As pragmatic marketing likes to say, nothing in the office happens. Everything happens outside the office. So you need to get out and talk to people to understand what your product and what the business is. The other thing is that when you do talk to those individuals and start getting out, you understand their problems more. So uh, often what I will tell product owners is write me a scenario about what, what pain points is this particular uh, person having or end user having. Do you, let, let me feel what they're feeling. Let me feel the problem that they have. You don't need to worry about the solution. The solution will come from your developers as long as you trust them and give them enough information to help them. But you really want to focus on what problem are you trying to solve? What outcome are you trying to achieve? And, and get away from worrying about the solution. And then really giving that why, what, when. You know, why are we doing this? Uh, what are we doing? What are we trying to do? And when do we need to have it? Um, maybe you're trying to hit some type of conference or maybe you're trying to hit some type of window in the market. Um, that all plays into how your development team will actually come up with a solution. So the more information that you can give them in those areas, is more valuable to them in the long run so they can, can figure out a, a viable solution for it. So this is where we need to shift the mindset of the product owner and start getting them to think more about these things than solutions and projects that they used to think in the past. Uh, oops. 
And of course, communication and people. This is something that no matter whether you're in traditional or in a new mindset, you're going to need for them to get in better communication. And they're going to actually uh, interact with a lot more people. So some of the things that I, I ask here is, you know, how comfortable are you talking with, uh, with people? You know, how, what, is, what do you feel is your communication style? Um, what's the best way to communicate to you? What's the worst way to communicate to you? Um, what's, what's been the worst um, experience that you've had communicating with someone else? What's been the best? Who are the types of people that you admire their communication style? What do they have and what, you know, that you don't necessarily have? So these are questions that I, I throw out to the product owner to get them to start, start thinking a little bit more about how they'll have to communicate um, where they might have some challenges with communicating and where they have some opportunities to improve how they actually communicate. So this is another one of the biggest things that I find product owners uh, struggle with is they really don't know how to communicate with a lot of other people because they haven't had to in the past. So the strategic mindset. So we've already talked about product over projects. Problems over solutions, what, why, when, over how. All right, so as a product owner, these are the things that you want to start to get them to focus on. Vision and the goals, road mapping, story mapping, and releases. So one of the things I have them do as product owners is to uh, use one of the Roland Pickler's thing is uh, the product canvas. If you have the product canvas, you know, and have them write up, you know, what's your problem, what's the business, who are the end users, what are you trying to solve, and get them to do that exercise, it actually makes them think a little bit more about what they're really trying to do. Um, and quite often what, when I've had uh, individuals do this exercise, they really don't know the answers to any of these things, and that promotes some of the struggling. So other things that I do is I help uh, – help them do some story mapping, do some exercises there, um, help them figure out how to do releases. And in the sense of you have a product owner who is not really involved or this is not really their um, responsibility, I say to them and to you is to say, you know what, maybe that's true, but my question is, is if you did this, how much would it help you in the long run? What would be different for you if you actually did these things and focused on them, and and, uh, and and how would you change the way that you go about working with your team or working with stakeholders? And ask them those questions to get them to start thinking a little bit more about how these tools and how these things can actually help them. Um, and people, like I said, now they're, they're gonna be talking to a lot more people than they may have in the past, stakeholders, customers, users, vendors, I asked them, you know, what about having expanding who you're talking to? Um, how does that make you feel? What are your apprehensions about that? What is your excitement behind that? Um, and where is that coming from? You know, what makes you not want to talk to vendors, but maybe what makes you want to talk to customers or maybe end users, but not stakeholders? Um, so kind of probing and let them kind of figure out let them figure out how their how who they speak with or talk to influences how they act and how they communicate and try to get them to understand different ways that, that they could actually be able to 
um, change their, their approach to, to speaking with other people. And then just kind of like the technical aspect, if you will, the business, understanding what does brand recognition mean? What are your markets? What are your domain? What is the industry? What is your organization? How does it operate? What, how does it hinder what you're trying to do and how, how you're trying to work? Um, again, that value, focusing on what is business value in your organization? How do they define it? How do you define it? How do you speak towards it? And this is just more of awareness to try, because quite often product owners aren't even aware of this. They, they, they go back to what the Scrum Guide says, let me just write the stories and so forth. They really don't know the strategy behind it. And if you don't have that strategy aligned with your tactics and together, then you're just a slow road to noise or a slow road to, to defeat. Hey, Angie, um, Padma has a question here about what point in the product road mapping do we use story mapping or feature journeys um, and can that be repeatable? I'll take the last uh, question first, Alex. Um, <laughs> yes, it can be repeatable. Um, and, you know, as, uh, I would say as soon as you, you, you start um, even with um, some kind of new um, adventure or, or, or thing that you're trying to do, you want to start road mapping immediately, if you will. And once you get your road map, kind of, that's where you want to go, okay, I've kind of aligned what my roadmap is. Let me start doing the, use, the story mapping. And it can be very high level. Lots of times what I, I do is when I have the product owners write that product canvas, um, and that's kind of the high level, then we go into doing a roadmap and seeing how things lay out, how the features lay out, and where, where they, they will be. And then from there, we start digging into a little bit more story mapping or epic mapping, if you will and writing those things out, putting it up on the board, getting it very visible. Um, I, want, I suggest to product owners to have that up there so they're always seeing it because it's going to change, you know, almost daily in, in a sense in some cases. And then as they go through each uh, sprint or each quarter, keep looking at your story and your roadmap and making adjustments as you go along. So if you have that up on the wall and you're constantly looking at it from a day-to-day -day perspective, and rearranging things as new information comes in. Um, it, that's the continuous planning that I'll actually talk about a little bit later that the product owner is has to do. Otherwise, you always are going to be behind the eight ball and you're going to be more uh, reactive than pro proactive. So Hello? keeping on top of that. Yeah. Yeah. Keeping on top of that, maintaining those boards uh, it is something that's really critical to product owner to have, and that helps them keep that that two week um, backlog prioritized and up to date and moving fluidly throughout. Because if if you don't have that continuous planning, then you're always going to be behind and and trying to play catch up. Awesome, thank you. Mm -hmm. All right, good questions. So. Um, Here's what uh, you can do to help your uh, product owners start learning a little bit of the mindset is asking these some of these questions to them. Um, what makes your product stand out from competitors? Uh, I, sometimes when I ask this question, they're, they're like, I don't even know who my competitors are. 
ah, could be problem number one. <laughs> you know? So, I mean, I, I, and, that, and, and that can help you figure out how to prioritize things. You know, what factors do you consider when you prioritize your, your product? Is this something that I need because it's going to help me, you know, combat a, a, a competitor? Is it something that I don't need because I'm not really concerned about that competitor? Um, and that helps you make those decisions on saying no sometimes. Um, and then thinking about what can, what can completely sabotage your product, you know? Think about it. If I put this in my product, um, would this be something that someone else could actually, you know, um, use and use against me? Uh, is it something that someone could outdo and out-innovate on, on for me? Maybe it's something I want to hold back before I actually put it in. Uh, and then, you know, what type of, of, of end users do you have? And this can help with your product owners with actually um, separating and, and splitting stories and splitting work. Um, they can actually say, oh, you know what? I'm only focusing on these end users um, and that's all. Yes, you know, there's some secondary end users here, but on this particular thing, I'm going to focus on these primary end users. And that, that's another talking point of saying no to individuals and helping your team understand how to not gold plate things because you're saying, well, yes, I understand that, you know, they can, they can help this type of end user. We could do these things, but that's not my goal. That's not the outcome that I'm looking for. And having, being able to understand who your users are, what their jobs are, uh, what their pain points are, will help have those conversations with everyone else to understand why you're doing something versus not doing something else and also help have that conversation with saying no, not right now in terms of um, getting your, your end users to be comfortable with not getting what they would like to have. You frame it so that they understand what they will get and what benefit will be to them and why that is better than what they won't be getting. So these are just a few um, uh, questions you can ask. I got this from a uh, uh, product owner uh, deck where it, it talks about how to coach your product owner. They're available on um, Amazon. So you can look those look that up if you like. Um, all this is great. And understanding the mindset is the first piece. The next thing is the skill set. Quite often I see product owners that have been previous business analysts or project managers that were thrown into the product owner role. And no one sat back and said, is this the role that you really want? Is this where you want to go? Uh, if you had your choice uh, and they offered you another position, what would that position be? You know, why would you take that position over this one? Um, is this really what you want to do? And many times I, I, they're like, well, I just don't, I want to have a job, so I'm going to do this, you know, but they're not really into it. They don't really have the skill set to do it. So just identifying to your product owner, these are the skill sets that are going to be most predominant in this role that you're going to need and walk them through. Um, what do you feel about being a change agent? You know, that, that almost means that you're, you're going to have to go up and, and have some conflict and negotiation conversations. You know, what is your approach to to conflict and negotiation management. Are you comfortable with having conflict conversations? Uh, are, are, you know, what, what would you do if someone, you know, was adamantly screaming at you? How would you calm down a room? Uh, do you feel comfortable having that? 
Uh, are you someone as a change agent who's a kind of a rah-rah person and likes to inspire and motivate people? Because as a product owner, that's something you're going to have to do. Are you comfortable with that? What makes you uncomfortable? What would make you more comfortable are some questions that you can ask. Um, decisiveness. You know, some people don't like to make decisions. They want someone else to make a decision. And as a product owner, you're definitely going to have to make decisions, and not just decisions, but some tough ones, like, no, we're not going to do that. And I understand that that client's a $50 million client, but that doesn't align with where we want to take the product or where the business is going. So we're going to have to just say no to that. Um, emotional intelligence. You're going to have to read the room. You know, you're going to have to read people, understand, you know, where they're coming from. And that's part of that motivational piece, too, as well, to kind of figure out how you can motivate or how you can get other people to understand what you're trying to do and also how you can manage some of the conflict. When you know how other people feel and think about certain things, you can have better conversations with them. And then there's a lot of relationship building. As product owners, you need a lot of people to help you and support you and to, to be in your corner and be advocates for you when you can't be one for yourself. So building relationships with a lot of different people like customer service, law, finance, uh, sales, all these other people, because they will they play a part in getting your product out to the market. You're gonna, it's necessary for, people, for the product owner to be able to build relationships. And then just being a servant leader, being comfortable and trusting your teams to be able to build what you want and know how to build it and trust that their ability and giving them the things that they need in order to be successful in order to make you successful. So these are the types of, 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 of skill sets that individuals need. And it'd be good to sit down with them and go over these different skill sets and maybe rate them, have them rate them one to 10 and how well, how comfortable they feel with them or, or um, how uncomfortable they might feel with them, where they think their strong points are, which ones would they like to actually work on um, to help them. And uh, you might find out that, you know, none of these <laughs> skills they want to invest in and you're like, well, um, maybe, you know, maybe the product owner role isn't the right place for you. Let's, let's, let's have that conversation because that could come up as well. But uh, I think at least helping them understand and know how, either what skills they need and how they, 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 they're going to need to grow themselves in order to acquire these skills is really important for your, your, your product owner to, to understand and know, and you as a coach to understand and know so you can help guide them through. I'm, uh, I'm going to take a little quick break and check in here to see if there are any questions, uh, comments that people would like to uh, throw out there before I keep moving on. Um, I've got something to ask, a um, question, and um, it will be about um, product discovery and innovation gain. Um, what would you have to say about that from the point of view of the product owner? I'm sorry, could you repeat that again? Product discovery. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, this is something that happens, you know, much earlier on. And I read a book. Um, it's called Innovation Games. How do you apply mm -hmm. that to help a product owner? I have not read the book Innovation Games. Oh, okay. It's it's an interesting. <laughs> book. It, so it's interesting. I'm noting that down. That's a book that I need to read this year. 
I think it's an amazing book for any product manager or product owner because um, it really does help you involve the users. So there are games like Remember the Future, Buy a Feature, things like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, well, I just, I just the... assumed you've read it. Yeah, that's so. around Luke, Luke, Luke Holmes' work. I don't know why I don't know his last name. Mm. Home, I think. Um, he's, yeah, he does, um, there's, it was a lot, there's a lot of remote type games that you can do. And then, um, he does work in, I think, California with the government there. Oh, okay. Yeah. I have a long list of books that I need to read and every year I get one kicked off. My goal to do this year is try to get two. <laughs> Coleman, that's it. Yes. Um, so I just want to do a time check. It's almost 10 after. So we've got about 10 to 15 minutes left. All right. I think I can do it. All right. All right. Let me move forward then. Um, so your product owners, Probably they're kind of overwhelmed and they're really not sure where to go and, and how to actually grow into this role that they, they, they've been put in or they've decided to do. So there is a tool out there. Uh, actually, Cherie had started it with one of her peers and I took it on and kind of added a few things to it as well. And we'll get to that in a moment. But here are the kind of the, the elements that the product owner needs to be aware of and to master in order to become uh, a more successful product owner. And I'll quickly go through these in order and, um, and then kind of go over the tool a little bit. But um, so user experience, this is just uh, knowing about user experience, how to acquire information uh, from users, uh, what does it mean to understand user experience, what's usability, what's uh, interaction design. Usually you have a team of user experience you don't necessarily need to be a, uh, an expert in user experience, but understanding the elements and the essence of it, understanding how, um, how you need to delight your customers, uh, what are the different needs between end users versus buyers. I had a situation where uh, the buyer needed a certain thing versus what the end user needed in order for them to even buy the product from me. So it, you need to understand that element as well. And uh, trying to understand how to balance user experience needs in with all the other types of needs of, of technology and the business and the product even of itself. Uh, that's a key thing that uh, product owners need. And that's kind of the first thing that you need to send and who, who are you even um, selling this to? Uh, the next thing is value management. How do you prioritize your, your, your product and things? How do you communicate the vision and the roadmap? Uh, how do I story map things? How do I engage with the customers and find out what they want? Uh, and uh, prior, how do I prioritize technical stories? Understanding the value and what it consists of uh, is a very key thing that product owners need to do. Uh, some product owners I've seen, what they do is they develop buckets. So I'm going to develop, uh, I'm going to have this quarter, I'm going to have 10% on user um, usability. I'm going to have 20% on technical debt. I'm going to have 30% on innovation. And I'm going to have, you know, 40%, I'm just throwing out numbers, on uh, 
supporting the business goals. So uh, understanding may I ask you a question? So, yeah, sorry. Uh -huh. so, sorry about no. that. Sorry about that. Uh, what is technical story for you? You mentioned the 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 term technical story, so it just picked up my curiosity. Um, I, I said uh, technical debt, or I might have said technical stories. Um, those are, are, are stories that are really based on technology and putting in things that are, are may not have direct impact on um, the business or your vision goals, but you need it in order to do your product. For instance, I had a case where uh, we were trying to compete with a competitor who had workflows in their product. So we were investing in figuring out how to get a workflow engine into our product. And those, that's all technical. Um, in terms of, you know, what product to, to, to choose, uh, do you build versus buy, uh, what features of that workflow engine do you want or do you need? And that's something that you don't do as yourself as a product owner. That's something that you um, collaborate with with your technical expertise to help you make some of those decisions and figure out what you're going to need in order to uh, support the, the outcome that you're looking for. So in that particular situation is competing with our, our competitors. Are those um, tech spikes and uh, let's say tech debt? Uh, it could be tech debt, it could be spikes. In, in this particular um, situation, it was actually innovation. The it was uh, technical stories that were needed for innovation. Right. It could be things like architectural runway. We need to upgrade our platform in order to be able to scale it to the next 100,000 users. Okay, all right. Good question, thank you. Th thank you, thank you. Mm -hmm. Of course. Um, next, backlog management. Just to, you know, what stories uh, um, am I gonna have? What outcomes do I want? Not, um, how am I going to make sure that they're written from uh, slices, you know, full stack slices versus the layer by layer of components? Um, how do I make sure that I have enough stories for at least one and a half to two sprints so that they're in a ready state? Um, actively listening to make sure that your developers aren't trying to put things in that you really don't need, even though they think they're, they're needed. Um, uh, cases in point where there was a scenario where it probably would happen maybe 1% of the time and they were uncomfortable with something failing and they wanted to fix it. And the product owner was like, I don't need that. That's not where the value is. We'll handle it if it happens because statistics show it's only going to happen 1% of the time. I'm comfortable with, you know, having our end users be a little bit discomfort, un uncomfortable 1% of the time. So listening to that um, and, and trying to figure out, you know, what your backlog should look like and how you're going to prioritize it. I mentioned this before, continuous planning, making sure that you are always looking ahead of time. Uh, not just enough time, but kind of a rolling wave of, of planning and seeing how things and making adjustments go as you get more information, developing the mindset to deliver smaller product increments, looking at the big picture, uh, consistently using release goals. These are some uh, indicators that your product owner is, you know, advancing their career and looking at the right things when it comes to continuous planning and just even just doing continuous planning. Uh, quite often you'll find product owners not doing that at all. And then stakeholder management. This is, you know, coming back to talking about, you know, 
having the empathy and having the emotional intelligence, uh, balancing multiple streams of work that's coming in and figuring out, you know, who's not going to get things done and who, who are going to get some of the things they want, managing the release plans, being proactive in the communication, um, keeping people abreast of what's going on on a continual basis, uh, meeting regularly with the stakeholders. These are some of uh, the other things that um, uh, product owners need to do in managing the stakeholders and also being very transparent with the work. And then finally, uh, you know, working on yourself as a product owner, trying to figure out, you know, where it is that you need to, to go next, what are the, some of the things that you need to work on in order to build yourself in your uh, craft, um, you know, building trust networks, uh, looking at organizational impediments and how it's uh, impeding your ability to do the certain things that you want to do, uh, and just kind of that growth and learning. Uh, I have a tool out there. It's on my website. We'll show you at the end. But uh, this was my actual product owner capability matrix when I uh, was a product manager. Um, I was doing pretty well. I put in some information on evaluating myself. Uh, I was doing pretty well with backlog and value and stakeholder management. But continuous planning and user experience, uh, even continuous learning, were a little bit lower than everything else. So this kind of gave me an idea of where potential areas were that I could start looking at to make myself better. And as a coach, you can help, you know, with the, the product owner to figure out where they want to go next in terms of what they want to learn and how they want to learn it, uh, what's most important for them to actually focus on. I mean, even though, you know, your backlog management is, is pretty good, you, you, depending on what's going on in the organization, you may want to focus on that a little bit even more and get that high a little bit higher than maybe one of the other areas because that's not where, you know, things are, are really not working well. So this tool is uh, actually on my website and uh, you can download it um, and use it and look at it. And it has the different areas here, different capabilities and has a bunch of questions and it kind of gives you, you know, uh, progressively, you know, kind of beginning, intermediate, advanced in terms of, of each of these, these areas and some of the things that you need to do in order to, to uh, master that particular element. Uh, here's some uh, resources. Uh, I mentioned pragmatic marketing. You can get so training or, or send, at least send your product owner there. That's good. You know, uh, Sheree has certified product owner training, uh, getting them to know that. I, I, there's been several product owners I've had who've never even had the training, so that was uh, fundamental. Crucial conversations, that helps with the communication. Uh, there is a class. It's very expensive. Uh, if you can't get that, uh, paid for, uh, there is a book that is just as useful to, to have and uh, will help you with um, communicating better. Uh, Strategize by Robert Pickler is a real good, thing, good book that talks about product management. If uh, you're unfamiliar with story mapping and your product owner is, uh, Jeff Patton has a good book. If there are uh, many product owners don't really know about user experience, so Lean UX by Jeff and Josh is really good to, a book to have. Uh, emotional intelligence is another one. I just got done reading that earlier this year, and it was really good. You actually get to take a, a, a free test with the book, and it tells you where your emotional intelligence lies and some of the things that you can do to improve it. And then five dysfunctions of a team. That's always a good one for product owners to know so they can interact and relate and kind of look for some of the dysfunctions and, and how they play a part or don't play a part or how they can help 
scrum masters and coaches uh, with the team as well. And I will say that that's my time for today. I appreciate everybody's uh, patience and attentiveness. And now we're open for some quick questions. And uh, we have one question um, in the chat um, from Jaron. I probably said that wrong. Um, how frequently do you conduct the maturity assessment for the POs? Ah, very good question. Typically what I do is I ask them how often they want it, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but some common answers that have come back is uh, monthly and quarterly. Those are kind of the two uh, high ones that they've uh, they've come back with responses. Um, so I think that's, I think quarterly is probably sufficient. If, if there's someone that is, you know, really new and, and wanting to be really eager, I think monthly is probably the, the, the quickest amount of time that I would uh, do the assessment. Yeah, but I, I recommend usually do mine quarterly. And then maybe if they're brand new and they're learning a bunch and scaling up, then they may want to do it monthly. But um, I agree with quarterly too. Any other, we've got just a couple minutes. Any other questions? Um, it looks like, um, can we give the web, your website, Angie? Can you put that in the, oh, there it is right there. There we go. Yeah, there it is. I got it. Yeah. So yeah, angiepaid.com under tools, you'll see that there's a product owner capability um, link there. It's a spreadsheet you can download and take a look at that. If you have any questions about that, feel free to email me and I will answer them as quickly as possible. And then pragmatic marketing, that's where you can get the framework. So they have a diagram there that you can download. Uh, they also have a, a, if you scroll all the way down to the bottom of the, the page, uh, that's where you'll find the download links. And that's where you can also get the, uh, the definitions behind the different uh, frame or different elements and also the uh, skills, uh, um, map that they have for the different areas as well. Cool. Awesome. So a um, couple of questions about the recording. Yes, the recording will be made available. It will be on my website, um, tandemcoaching.academy. In the resources section, it may take a week or two to get out there because we um, release on a schedule. And so we probably have at least one other one ahead of this. And then, um, so it will be out there. If you look under resources, all of our videos are there and um, including other um, previous meetups. And then um, one last question we have, Angie, is how do you help your product owner with OKRs? Oh, the infamous OKRs. <laughs> <laughs> um, first, I really try to get them to think about uh, outcomes first, because lots of times when they're talking about OKRs, it's really about outputs and not really about outcomes. And meaning that, you know, such, such an example of we want to get, uh, we want to raise our, our, our NPS scores by 10%. You know, and the reason that we're trying to do that is because we want to get more endorsements. Well, how many endorsements do you really want is really the question and the, 
the OKR that you're really looking for. So it, it's 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 kind of I have to do a lot of probing and a lot of answers, uh, asking questions, and it seems to be an iterative process with with the uh, product owners to get them to realize that they're talking about outputs versus outcomes. So I have to have that conversation first. What's an output? What's what's an outcome? And what the difference is, and help them walk through, you know, how how to understand what the difference are, is between those two. Awesome. And then. Um, we do have a couple other questions that are coming in through the chat. I don't know that we'll have enough time to um, to answer all of those questions. But um, Angie, any last words that you have? And then I'll make sure that I get these questions to you so maybe you can answer them via um, Meetup. Just putting, um, you, if you give me the answers, then we can put those out on the meetup. Okay, yeah. Um, you know, if you guys want to contact me individually, please do so. I'd be more than happy to help you out. If you want to have a one-on-one coaching session on some topics and things, I will more than likely do that with you as well. Um, so I appreciate your time. I appreciate all your questions. You're a great bunch of folks, and I... Uh, I uh, hope to hear from you soon. Great. If you could put your email in the chat again, and then that way people can have it to reach out to you, that would be awesome. And then, so just as a quick closing note, um, I mentioned earlier in the session that we will be closing nominations for Best Agile Articles. So if you have any or you've read any um, publications, um, blog posts that were put out last year, please go to tandemcoaching.academy and under resources, best agile articles and nominate your favorites. If, um, today we did a um, product owner session, but if you are interested in the advanced CSM or the CSP Scrum Master, here's a coupon code that you can use on for my programs there online. Um, they're a mix of virtual, of, of self-paced learning where you go in and do the learning and the activities. And then we have live mentoring sessions that you join weekly in order to help you as you go through your course. I know many of you on this call are already in that program. You can use this coupon code to sign up for a 10% discount either on the individual courses or on there is a bundle that you'll already have savings Plus, you can add an additional 10% to this if you're interested. So um, just want to um, thank you, Angie, for joining us today. And this was a fabulous session. I'm, I'm very, very um, excited about it. There was a lot of learning here. So thank you very much. There's not enough um, education out in the Agile space for product owners and for coaching product owners. So it's always exciting to me when I see a coach who focuses on product ownership and product management. This is a very well-needed space. So thank you very much um, for your participation today. My pleasure. I was happy to do it. I'm open to doing another one. Yes, I plan on having you. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, have a great day. Thanks for joining. Enjoy your weekend. And then we, um, our next 
session of coaching tools and tips is actually in two weeks, and that's on March 21st. And Andrew Lynn, who is another Agile coach, will be joining us. And his topic is um, a bit different. It's about using the um, some Chinese techniques in your coaching. And um, if you don't know who Andrew Lynn is, he is the one, he and his group are responsible for the translation of our best Agile articles into traditional Chinese. So um, he's a really fun, great guy to work with. Right. Have a great weekend. Thank you so much for joining. And we will post this video soon. Thank you. Thank you so much.